And welcome to another edition of the Seven Innings Podcast. We are underway on the road to the Women's College World Series. And uh, welcome back to softball. Beth Mullins, Holly Rowe, Michelle Smith, Jen Schroeder, Caleb Bro, Jenny Dalton-Hill. Follow along at Seven Innings Podcast. That's where you can get the lineup card for the show. Coming up, we'll hear today from Patty Gasso. Also, Aaliyah Andrews, the All-American from LSU. We're going to shag some stats, talk some upsets, um, a a momentous Murph moment, all to come. But uh, first and foremost, it's time to welcome everybody back to softball. And sure enough, with everything else going on in the world, Holly Rowe, we got to deal with Mother Nature, who throws a no-no and uh, sort of messes around with the schedule, including our very own Amanda Scarborough. We are sending her best wishes down in Texas uh, that there is a speedy recovery in the heat and the power comes back on and everybody's okay. Yeah, opening weekend, first of all, I was so excited. I don't know how you ladies felt, but I may or may not have been sitting on my couch weeping. Um, the The first softball game that I turned on the television, I sat here weeping alone in my house. So that was a thing. But uh, there was some weather delays, obviously, lots of lots of tournaments canceled, particularly in Texas area down in the south where we thought weather would be good. And I totally jinxed Florida USF. I was bragging to you all via text chain that should have come to Florida. It's so great down here. And then we had torrential rain and the field couldn't handle that. So that series got postponed until April, uh, their final game. So it was unfortunate. The weather was crazy and we are expecting another weekend of crazy weather. A lot of games already have been canceled. So here's what I would say. Appreciate any games that are happening. We learned that throughout COVID when games happen, just be happy. Unfortunately, the weather is teaching us the same thing this weekend. Well, and Holly, you had to sit at home, but I actually got on an airplane, went out to Arizona and got to see some live softball. And it was so exciting. A doubleheader out there at ASU. They came away with two wins, but just to sit in the stands. And while there weren't a lot of fans, it was so nice to just sit back here, the crack of the bat, watch the enthusiasm of the players, just so excited for softball season. And guys, I was so excited because I was actually supposed to call the UCLA games on Saturday. They got their games in on Friday. And then I got a text message on Friday night saying games canceled COVID protocol. So not only did we have a ton of weather issues, but also down, you know, out West here in California where the weather's great, couldn't play because of COVID. So, so many issues all around this weekend. Yeah, we're, we're hoping to get more games in uh, as we move forward. If you're looking for a schedule, by the way, uh, as you can imagine, uh, it, it's going to be hard to plan too far in advance. So stay with us on the Seven Innings Podcast and follow us at Seven Innings Podcast. We'll make sure we get you all the updates uh, for the softball schedule. You're going to find some here soon on the ACC network and Longhorn network and SEC network. So keep an eye on that. Um, and it's always a challenge, right? Michelle Smith, we're, we're doing things like you've probably seen watching football games and basketball games and other sports, a lot of home studios calling the shows for people at home. Well, Beth, I have to say it was my first experience this past weekend calling the game with you out of my home office. Um, You know, it was directing traffic. If you think about it as well, for some of us that are sports-specific analysts, it's been almost a year since I've called a game. So it was definitely a learning experience. It's always a pleasure working with you. I was like, let me ride on your coattails, BMO, (laughs) as we figure out this uh, new normal. 
But you know what? Just to be able to call a game, it's a blessing. And a year ago, I don't think we ever would have thought that this would be possible. So kudos to all the folks at ESPN, the SEC Network, ACC Network, everybody who's making this happen. I'm just glad to be back uh, in with the sport. And when I can actually get to the ball field again and hear the crack of the back, like you <laughs> mentioned, Jenny, uh, it, it, will, it will be so, so special. Can I just say that it was beautiful listening to you guys on Saturday night? Like it just warmed my heart. We have softball back on TV and hearing Beth Moens, Michelle Smith call a softball game. It just felt right. So however we're doing it this year, however we're making it work, I am grateful that we're working so hard to get softball on TV because it's where it belongs. I may have been drinking wine. I, I don't know if you guys were drinking wine on the air, but I definitely was drinking some wine as I listened to you. And, and let me just say, check out my social media. Uh, I'll put it out on the Seven Innings podcast for the BMO GIF goof. You may have seen me coming on the air, trying to take my sweatshirt off and then just trying to slide it back on as America watched it. It was a little creepy and a little awkward. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we thought that was your new that. brand of um, announcing the like the I super an, sexy. I, I had know, a nice know blazer going. all laid out. You know, you're anticipating that your producer is going to give you plenty of heads up that you're going to do an on camera. But, you know, you're shifting back and forth between networks. And it was one of those three, two, one go situations. And I, I got caught in mid go. So <laughs> can I ask you guys one question? Because you were scheduled to call the Texas series and the Texas game. So you've done all these calls with coaches and all this stuff. And then last minute, you you call a completely different game. How were you guys able to get prepared so quickly? Because you did a great job, Michelle. Well, you know, Holly, I think just like the ball players are going to have to be adapting and adjusting this year as analysts and as play-by-play and in the media, we're going to have to be adjusting and adapting as well. So I think a lot of it is, for instance, the show, the seven innings podcast really does a good job of keeping us up to date and everything that's going on with the season. And I, we have to expect unexpected. And the fact that we may be calling games about for teams that we haven't prepped for, and it's, it's called uh, a, a cram session, like doing an all-nighter to get ready for the game. Yeah, I, I think, what you know, we, we've gotten some great comments from coaches about how they're dealing with it. Some great comments from players. We'll hear from uh, Patty Gasso and Leah Andrews a little bit later in the show. One of the things, though, with all this time, quite often on their own, we are going to see some players that are in incredible condition and shape. They've changed their diets. They've changed their mental approach to the game. They've had a lot of time say, you know, I, I need to tweak something in my swing or how I'm spinning the ball as a pitcher. And they've had ample time to work on that stuff. I think, I, I think we're going to see a lot of pitchers that have developed a, a, a new pitch that, that they'll come out with. And so there are some positives that you can, you know, make some lemonade from some of the lemons that we've been given. We're also looking, Jen Schroeder, as we move on to number two in our lineup card, our debutantes ball, or, or in, in our case, our debutantes who can ball. Um, some players haven't played in a couple of years. Other players, it's been, you know, nine, 10 months since live game action. And what a debut. Let's start out with Oklahoma and that phenomenal rookie class, the impact they had immediately. You know, Beth, last week you had me prep for the freshmen. And I made a list of five players and I decided to only talk about four. And you know who I left off my list? I have my notes from last week. It was Tiare Jennings from <laughs> Oklahoma who came out and said, oh, really, Seven Innings Podcast? You don't want to talk about me, huh? I'll show you how good I am. And as a uh, firecracker here in Southern California, which if you all know a little something about travel ball, firecrackers and batbusters have this big uh, competitiveness. 
Tiara Jennings is a Batbuster, and all of her Batbuster teammates were online on Twitter saying she is the best. She is so good. I can't believe you didn't talk about her. Let's just talk about her stat line. 12 for 13, five home runs and 12 RBIs in her opening weekend as a Sooner. Welcome to college softball, Tiari Jennings. Insane. Yeah, um, Patty Gasso pulled me aside when I went and visited Oklahoma earlier this fall and said, look at these kids. They're going to be amazing. So I said her name on our podcast last week. I just want to give myself a little credit because Patty Gasso tipped me off to that. But um, I think what's really interesting about what Oklahoma is doing is they're kind of using two different lineups. You know, they'll have a lineup that has a lot of the freshmen in the lineup. And then they've got some of the seniors with Nicole Mendez and those guys in the lineup. So they're really able to shift and, and match and change. And I think it's um, like so many toys to play with for Patty Gasso, but who would have thought the freshmen would come out and you think they could be nervous. This is their first debut and, you know, hitting over 900. My only complaint is I don't want to say her name Tiare. I want it to be Tiara because she's a queen and oh, nice. she's wearing that crown. I see what you did there. Well, come on. She's a freshman, Holly. Let's call her a princess for now, right? You have to earn the right to be the queen. <laughs> no, but when it comes to Tiare, one of the things that I heard about Patty Gasso saying about Tiare in the fall, a lot of the teams talked about how they use the athletes unlimited um, scoring procedures for their fall games. And when Patty Gasso was talking about Tiare, she said she was ranked number one overall after our fall athletes unlimited scoring format. And she took our offense to a whole different level. Well, that's saying a lot, knowing what Oklahoma brings to the table offensively. I think too, when you look at Oklahoma is they're just so wealthy in terms of the talent on their squad. But some of the freshmen that stood out to me this weekend were on teams where you need freshmen to step up because maybe you did lose seniors. And I look at a team like Kentucky where Aaron Koffel, a freshman who is Kentucky's one of Kentucky's biggest recruits of all time that they landed huge deal. She goes six for eight in her opening weekend. And when you lose players like Bailey Vick, like an Alex Martins who last season were both hitting over 500, you need players like her to step up. And I also go to Georgia and I look at somebody like Sydney Chambly, who is also a true freshman. They lost a ton to the transfer portal. Some really big time seniors that led their rosters. And she comes in, has five hits, six RBI on the weekend and sets the tone for, Hey, these are the new players that are going to set the standard for our team moving forward. So I like to see those kind of freshmen stand out too. Yeah. Big, big opportunities at Georgia. And you know, they're playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder with all the star players that left that program going to be really fun to watch how they take advantage of, of those chances to really step into, into bigger roles. Uh, I, I, the, the other, uh, uh, back to Oklahoma real quick, they also had Nicole May in the circle for her first win. And uh, Jada Coleman ended up leading off that last game uh, of their uh, weekend, went two for four with three runs and a couple of RBIs. Holly, why don't you take us into this Patty Gasso interview that uh, you were able to talk to the, to the head ball coach? Well, you know, Oklahoma set an NCAA single game record, 13 home runs and in five innings. And she says it best in this interview. It was like unleashing uh, the Kragans, like letting them get out and play on the field. And their competitive nature really took over. Plus, she tells us about some unique and competitive ways they plan on using their pitchers, their great staff this season. Joining us now is the legend herself, Patty Gasso. Hey, coach. Hello, my friend. How are you? 
I'm trying to act normal and like it's not a big deal to have you on the show, but my heart is racing because no one in America outside of your children loves you more than I do. So I'm very excited you're on the show. You just melted me. Oh, good. Thank you. Well, speaking of melting, I mean, your bats were so hot over the weekend. Did any bats catch fire? 70 runs scored in this opening weekend for your softball team. And number one, what did it feel like to walk out onto the field and be back in action in a game after this long layoff? Uh, Pretty glorious. Honestly, we were really hustling to try to find a place to play. So we originally had us scheduled for Abilene and it had 30 degree temps and lower throughout the weekend. So our wonderful administration helped us uh, find a way to get to El Paso. So now we're playing in 70-plus degree weather. So, uh, one, it was thrilling just to get somewhere and get somewhere that was warm. Um, And just to see them against another team was just a celebration of its own. I think Lauren Chamberlain, somebody showed me a tweet she put out, something like when you keep like a – animals caged up this is what they look like when you release them or something something to that point which is a very good analogy one player that i've had my eye on for many years and you know she's getting back to form and and really you had warned me about her last year like watch out this lady's on a mission and that's jocelyn allo three home runs over the weekend she is now fourth in career home runs in program history just what do you see from her and kind of the focus and mindset for this final season? Well, um, actually, she's a super senior, so our super junior. So if she decides to come back next year, she'll have another season. Um, she has been waiting for this. She's quite honestly, she would tell you herself, she's been hot and cold through the time that she's been here at OU. Obviously, her freshman year, she set a record for 30 home runs in a season. And the attitude was now I've got to hit 40 my sophomore year and I got to hit 50 my junior year. I think she figured out that's not the way to look at it. And she has grown up and matured quite a bit. So I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what she brings to uh, this team this season. She's on a whole nother mission here um, that I'm really excited about. I've been able to visit with you preseason and you had been telling me about some of your super freshmen and exciting freshmen and Jada Coleman and Tiara Jennings were a couple that really showed up and have lived up to that billing that you gave them in the preseason. What did you see from your freshmen? Well, I saw a freshman in Tiara Jennings that hit 925 over the weekend. And I think she was 12 for 13 and maybe four or five of those were home runs. I mean, it it was ridiculous watching her and she looked so comfortable and so confident and so at ease and so in control. It was um, quite impressive for a freshman and Jada Coleman kind of the same way. It was, um, didn't feel a lot of nerves or jitters from them. Uh, They were just salivating to get out on the field, but also Holly in this whole um, inflated lineup and inflated roster. There are so many battles going on that these when it's my time, I better shine. Because if I don't, someone else is ready to 
shine over me. <laughs> they feel that. And then it is a motivation versus, you know, a threat that is in their head. It's more motivation. And that's how I feel they're, they're attacking us. Yeah, I feel like that's an interesting part to this season is rosters are so big that you have to compete just to get on the field within your own lineup. Um, you've always had to, but this is more exaggerated this season, is how do you build that closeness and chemistry as a unit when it is so competitive and, and, and feelings can get hurt and people are competing hard with each other every day in practice? Yeah, I just think you just keep feeding them team, the whole team concept. But what's very important on my side is to feed them innings. So we had about everyone sit out for a bit this weekend. And I actually, because it was such short notice, I didn't even get to take the whole team. I took 18. Um, But normally we've got 23 to feed. And I'm going to do the best I can to feed these athletes at the right time and appropriately to keep them wanting more, but also giving rest for those who are going to be daily players. So it's the fine line. You got to be really smart about how you go about keeping these athletes happy. I feel like the way the schedule plays out this week and this, this year with three or four game series, we're going to see something that you've been doing for a few years now where you're using a pitcher as a closer or middle relievers, or how are we going to see pitchers used differently in this season? And how do you plan to Mm -hmm. use them differently? Well, um, I really am looking forward to confusing a team that we could be playing. And I mean, literally we could throw a pitcher every inning if we chose to. Um, That is a nightmare to have to prepare for. So I do remember back a time ago when we were playing Auburn University in uh, the College World Series, and they had probably five pitches, but all five of those pitches had started at one time or another during the season. So we were just trying to prepare and trying to guess who we were going to face. It's not like in baseball. I mean, Major League Baseball, they announce, even college, they announce the starters. So you know who you're facing. In softball, we don't do that. So now you're wondering what's coming. And I think we could have some fun with that as well. But um, I've got three very solid pitchers that I plan to use quite a bit. But the other four that I have definitely have different looks than the other three. So we can bring in a hard-throwing drop ball and then go to a hard rise ball, then go to someone that doesn't throw quite as hard but has a good change. So there's just a lot, again, a lot of opportunities to uh, use these these pitchers in different ways. Well, I always know, like in the beginning of several seasons, you don't often, you don't always do this. Um, But when I, when you say to me, Holly, we're going to be really good this year. I've learned to listen to you over the years. And that's what you told me when I was there for an Oklahoma football game. So I think you're onto something, Coach. I think you know your squad very well. Well, thank you. We've got a long way to go still, but um, we're going to do our best. Awesome. Well, Patty Gasso, absolute legend, national championship winning coach for Oklahoma softball. We appreciate your time. 
All right. Well said by Patty Gasso. The Oklahoma Sooners off to the hot start. Moving on uh, down our lineup card uh, as we continue with our seven innings podcast, Beth Mowens, Holly Rowe, Michelle Smith, Jen Schroeder, Caleb Bro, Jenny Dalton Hill, a special shout out to our good bud Amanda Scarborough dealing with the weather down in Texas. Best wishes to everybody down there to get through this safely and get back out on the softball field and behind the mic ASAP. Number four in our cleanup spot with win number 1,100 is uh, Alabama uh, head coach Pat Murphy. And let's go to uh, one of the Crimson Tide greats to lead us in this discussion, Caleb Bro of Mudita Murph. Yeah, Murph has been in Alabama for 25 years now, and it is very obvious Obvious with 1,100 wins. He has set a standard for a culture of championship play. I mean, he expects that out of his players. He's recruited for 25 years to get the best talent, the best people into the culture of Alabama softball. So you have to give him credit. And I think what stands out to me, and I think Holly's going to talk more to this, but is that first and foremost, he works on the personal development of all of his players. He is so skilled with taking somebody that is already naturally like a a good person. He recruits good people. That's the one thing that I know he doesn't recruit people that are problematic. He doesn't recruit people that are complainers that are selfish. He recruits really selfless players and he takes those players and he elevates their mental fortitude, their selflessness, their ability to play on a team. And that's what builds the, it's not about me style of play that he expects all of his players to do. And he embeds a culture of, I want to care about the person next to me more than I care about myself. And it was a pleasure and an honor to play for him. And I'm glad I could be part of that 1100 wins, but congrats coach Murphy, because he deserves it. It all starts at the top with him. He is a winner through and through. So, you know, we named this segment Mudita. It's a a word that has origins, I believe, in the Buddhist um, origin. And it means having the ability to celebrate for others more than you celebrate for yourself and being excited and joyful for the success of others. So we named this Mudita because we are excited for you, Coach Murphy. You have done such a great job. And I think one thing that stands out to me is Patrick has told us through the years Um, that people send him letters and write to him and emails and calls and say, we love watching Alabama softball because of the way you play. So I feel like everybody that puts on an Alabama uniform, he has built a culture there that you love watching this team play because they do it right. So Mudita Murph, we all are celebrating your success alongside with you. Yeah. And how about, uh, you know, getting back to, to Kayla, w- what you said, the quality of the athletes, every time I call a game at Alabama, and I'm sure this is the same for all of y'all, when you get to the field, you walk down there, every one of his players will address you. They will greet you. And to me, that is huge because that is part of the Japanese society. It is formally a custom that you, you make sure that you greet someone because they're in your presence that you acknowledge them. And I love the fact that he instills that in the athletes. The other thing I think is amazing, especially in a day and a time when coaches really have to worry about their, their jobs. There's so much competition as coaches to win, win, win. He is interested in making sure he has really strong women that he is developing because let's face it, we're we're all people a lot longer than we're softball players. And I love that he instills that in every one of these athletes and they go on to become really, really great people. I'm just a big fan of the program. 
and and Mudita is nationwide. Uh, you know, we when we cover Florida State this year, we'll, we'll be talking about this. And and a lot of coaches, you know, how are you dealing with with COVID? How are you dealing with the stops and starts? How how are you addressing last season? Are you just putting it all behind you? What lessons do you learn? When we talked to Lonnie Alameda at Florida State, uh, she said we we just had a conversation the other day about what do we take from last season and what they decided was we want to win and we want to win with fun and so our immediate follow-up was well what does that look like winning with fun and she said to play selfless and to play for the joy of others so mudita going nationwide and congratulations coach murph on win number 1100 holly Rowe. i i actually looked up the direct definition of mudita just to be on top of it direct Mudita is the direct antidote for envy. Envy arises over the good fortune of others and resents people who achieve. But Mudita is one who practices something to be happy when others do well and try to promote their progress and welfare. I just love that. Excellent. That's a, that's a great way to uh, wrap up the, uh, the um, cleanup spot in our batting order on our lineup card. Uh, by the way, uh, midway through the show, Holly Rowe update. So far, uh, she has wept. Uh, she has uh, uh, admitted to drinking wine. She has patted her own back and has now vaccinated envy. And we're only halfway through the show, America. More Let's go. to come. We've got Aaliyah Andrews still coming up on the show. We're going to shag some stats uh, as well. Let's move on to plain perfection, as in Gabby Plain, a perfect game. She wasn't alone in that department. And for the latest on the pitchers, let's go, let's go to the catcher. And our, our pitcher on location um, through Jen Schroeder, Amanda Scarborough. <laughs> I've got a lot of updates from Amanda. So I'm just going to go through kind of bullet point by bullet point because there were some amazing performances. You know, I think on Twitter and just between conversation of us, we're talking about all the offense we saw this, this weekend. However, there were a lot of phenomenal pitching performances. So I'm going to start with Hope Troutwine from UMT. She had 21 strikeouts in one game. Um, we look at, obviously, Gabby playing with a perfect game. We can stay in the Pac-12. Megan Faramo with 13 Ks. She got the start over Rachel Garcia, so we have yet to see Garcia throw this year at all. Um, six innings, she only gave up one hit. Montana Fout, Sarah Cornell, they find for a perfect game. And I want to give one little early shag instead about Alabama, actually. In 2011, they set their school record for number of shutout innings at 29.2 shutout innings. Currently, right now, they have 24 shutout innings. So they're just about five innings short, uh, short of breaking that school record. Um, I want to talk about Keely Richard from Virginia Tech. She had 18 strikeouts. She's pretty much who they have. They don't have many other people that can take the ball in the circle for them. They are going to be tested this weekend. They're playing FSU and Clemson. So I'm really excited um, to see that. And then one little shout out to University of Houston freshman, Haley Hudson. She threw a no hitter in her first college Ooh. debut. Michelle, I know that you have got a lot to say about pitchers, so I hope I didn't steal all the thunder. And thank <laughs> you to Amanda for a lot of those little nuggets. 
No, I think it's awesome. Yeah, Amanda's always on top of the pitch and we're always texting back and forth being like, hey, do you see this? Do you see that? Uh, no, it's great to talk about the pitchers because it really has been a big year, obviously, for offense. I think the last five to six years, there have been a lot of changes in the game to help produce more offense, more fans, more scoring. Uh, so it's nice to see the pitchers starting to, to come back a little bit. I think the pitching rules, a couple of changes have helped with the back foot being able to be off the pitching rubber. That was a rule implemented last year. We didn't really get to see it a lot because of the COVID shortened year. So I think we're going to start seeing a little bit of that progression. But I love the fact that the pitchers are starting to rear back and say, hey, mighty me. Remember now they've had some time off. So maybe that we've got a little bit more health involved as well. So these young pitchers are, are strong when they take the circle. I, I had a question for you, Michelle, because as I was watching and then seeing some of the scores, you know, Oklahoma 70 runs on the weekend, just outstanding hitting everywhere. Um, I, I was like, oh my gosh, what's happened to pitching? People haven't pitched live in so long. Is it is pitching going to be down this year? Um, is that an overreaction or what did you think about the pitching in the opening weekend as far as quality of pitching? I thought the quality of pitching was very good. I think that another rule that the, um, and it's maybe not a rule, but it's an emphasis by the umpires is to really address the low part of the strike zone so that the strike coming in at the knee. So that is uh, the umpires have said that that's something they're really going to address to give an opportunity for pitchers to be able to work the low zone as well as the high zone. I think the other thing too, is that, you know, if you remember, we were like, Oh, these poor freshmen, they didn't get to play, um, you know, a false schedule, but think about it for all these power five programs, their freshmen were probably hitting against some of the best pitchers in the country, their own pitchers. And they're probably feeling like, Oh, I, you know, I don't hit well. I, you know, I, I hit a, a buck 50, 200 in the, in the fall coming into the spring, well, all of a sudden now they're, they're facing different pitching and they're like, oh yeah, well, when you face G Juarez all fall, guess what, Oklahoma freshman, everybody else looks like they're throwing beach balls at you. <laughs> so I think that's part of it as well. Well, and Holly, I had that same question, but as I was sitting in Arizona State Stadium, the very first pitch was a pitch low in the zone that typically would not be called a strike. And I was, and I was surprised but actually very grateful that it was called a strike because it opens up the zone. So not only are you going to see hitters that have to really force themselves to be more disciplined on the zone, but also open up their strike zone and give pitchers a better opportunity to hit those corners, nick those knees and really make a hitter earn those hits. All right. That is, that is Jenny Dalton Hill, America, the big cat with the bat. If you're new to the program, spread the word, tell all your friends, uh, she's the uh, uh, former Arizona All-American. Kayla Bro, Natty Champ at Alabama. Jen Schroeder is our Bruin bubbler. How many how many rings, Jen Schroeder? How many rings do does UCLA have? Or yes, have? because I was the first class not to win one. I how? hate to say that, but oh, no, <laughs> no. but UCLA has 12. 12, 12 Bruin bubbler rings. Thank you very much, Michelle Smith, two-time Olympic gold medalist, as well as. Hall of Fame Stadium reporter, Holly Rowe. I'm Beth Mowens, your podcast crew. Ho, Rowe? I was just going to say, I'm very disappointed you refused to call that last segment Pitch Perfect. I mean, this is, I, I actually just thought Pitch Perfect was the perfect name for that. Is Would it be a that, violation that, of that was my That was my backup, but I wanted to get Gabby Plain's name in there. That's not just plain perfection. Oh, plain That's perfect. Gabby I gotcha. plain perfection. Yes. Okay. As usual, you were right. Sorry. I like how you push me on that though. You know, we only get better when we've got competition and people pushing us. Do you like my Linda Ronstadt reference in the next segment in our lineup card? Blue Devil by You. Of course, Blue by You, the hit song from Linda back in the 70s, probably. 
I like well, it, we're but we were the only people on the born bayou. when that song came out that are yeah. currently on this podcast. But I do like where your head's at. Okay, we're talking Blue Devil Bayou. Who wants to start us out on the upsets? Uh, since we're talking Duke, they went down to LSU and won. I think the feels like temperature was about 20 degrees, uh, but an impressive opening win, not only for Duke, but for the ACC. And there were several others around the country, Missouri, Florida Gulf Coast, uh, South Alabama, so already we've seen some some nifty work by some G5 teams and some others. I mean, one that you maybe didn't um, recognize in that already was Dixie State. They did not beat Washington, but they pushed them to have to have a comeback win of six to five. So I was impressed with that tenacity of Dixie State. Uh, that Dixie State Washington game was absolutely insanity. And there was only one unearned run in that entire game with a score that was what was it 30 hits combined Kayla I know that you have something to say about this yeah I mean that was insane I think that's what's interesting is Washington gave up 18 runs when Gabby Plain wasn't pitching so we talked about how good she was kind of questions some big question marks in the circle besides Gabby Plain but another upset that I definitely circled was Mizzou over Florida State Mm -hmm. it was a top 25 opponent matchup but Mizzou lost the first time they played Florida State. And I watched that game and they made some kind of careless mistakes, some missed throws, some unnecessary throws. Defensively, they broke down. Florida State got momentum and Missouri just folded. Come back the next day, Missouri comes firing right away in the first inning. They score some early runs, but the key was is they never let up. I think that they have some really talented players in Kayla Kessinger, Brooke Wilmis at the top of the lineup. So they're going to be dangerous in the SEC. And I think that's a big early confidence sign that they can go into Tallahassee and upset Florida State. Not only how about them dogs, but how about them former dogs? Didn't our good buddy Lisa Goler pick up a win for Western Illinois over DePaul? This week, way to go, way to go. Love to see the former players now in the dugout guiding uh, their teams in our Blue Devil Bayou upset special. What was the game of the week? Was it that Dixie State or how about Arkansas and uh, Michelle's Pokes in a thriller? Oklahoma State, a one run winner. That was a big game. That was a big first game for both programs. I mean, you come out and that's what I love. There are some coaches that will go into tournaments and will schedule very easy to try to give their team a lot of confidence. And there are other coaches that are like, "Uh uh-uh, day one, bring it on. We're playing other ranked teams. And and I I love the fact that, um, that we saw that between Oklahoma State and Arkansas. And how about Arkansas not giving up? At one point, they were down by a seven spot, came back, took the lead, and then Oklahoma State had to come back and win it. Uh, in the last inning. So kudos to both those programs. They're going to be in the top 25 all year, all year long. Nice. Nice. All right. From our game of the week to our player of the week, our seven innings podcast player of the week consideration. We've already heard a bunch of names. I think one of them simply on the fabulous catch out in center field, the full layout Holly Rowe by Aaliyah Andrews, who you caught up with this week. Yeah, I love that NCAA softball handle is picking a photo of the week. And this photo of Aaliyah Andrews laid out completely horizontal with a catch in center field. Just gorgeous play. And we were able to catch up with her this week and talk about how she did it. Joining us now on Seven Innings Podcast is kind of the star of the weekend, in my opinion. Aaliyah Andrews, tell me what some of the buzz has been like after that mid-air wonderful catch that made so many different highlights 
I've gotten a lot of feedback on it and people are very impressed. So I'm very happy about that. But it's something that we practice every day in practice. So while my teammates were very happy about it, they're all like, we're not that surprised. So it's just one of those things that our coach, you know, kind of expects from me. It was definitely a cool moment to help save a run or things like that. It's been such a long time since you played. What was it like to step out on the field and hear the ball hit your bat or the ball hit your glove? It was like surreal almost it was it was kind of I don't know I'm always anxious like the first game always all my five years I've been anxious but this time it was a lot more emotional like I knew this was for sure going to be my last time out here like we worked so hard last year and it got shut down so just literally giving everything that I had was all that I was thinking about were there any tears no, I did not. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I got choked up watching some games. Like people walked out and I was like, oh my gosh, it's happening. Softball's happening. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was emotional for sure, but I didn't cry. Thank God. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, there's no crying in softball. Um, tell me a little bit about the play. Like, you know, we saw the highlights and it was so exciting, but how are you tracking the ball out there and how are you using your speed and, and really all of your instincts out there? Uh, it really just starts in practice. Like I can only do that in a game because I do it so much in practice and it's really just what our coaches like require from us, you know? So obviously I like my abilities might help me a little bit and being able to do that. So just taking every rep seriously in practice is where it starts. And I am seriously only able to do it in a game because I think about my first step in practice. I think about my timing in practice. I think about all those things to just be able to catch a ball so that I could do that in a game. So it starts in practice and I'm very thankful I have coaches that like require that for me because then I can have those cool moments. Absolutely. I, I know Coach Tarina is really big on kind of mantras or themes for the year. What can you share with us about what the focus and mantra is for this season? So our theme this year is make it count. Um, and that just stems from last year, you know, how it got cut short, our season got cut short. Some of us seniors, we had no idea if we were going to be able to come back. So just everything that we do when we're on the field in life, like we're just making it count because you really never know. Like I really was almost maybe never going to play softball again. You just never know. So every day now, you, you know, every swing, I'm making it count. Every rep, making it count. Like that catch I could only do because I made every other catch and practice count. So just starting with like the little things, you know, breakfast, all every little thing that you can do, like make it count for so that you can be great the rest of the day and everything that you put um, effort into. I like what you were saying about, you know, some of the people who were seniors and had their season cut short, you've come back. And I guess I'm using the term, I've heard a lot of people use it and I kind of like it, super seniors, you know, Mm -hmm. this extra bonus year. What were some of your thought process and what factored into you deciding to return and not, you know, I'm sure you've graduated and and not move on with what's next in your life. For me, it was a really easy decision, but it wasn't for so many people. And that, you know, that's just hard to think about because some people really did have like jobs lined up or like future things happening. For me, I was planning on trying to get my graduate degree anyway. So I was like, I get to stay here. I get to play the sport that I love while still going to school. So it was a pretty easy decision for me. And I'm very thankful that it was, I didn't have to put too much thought into it. Um, But yeah, I feel for the people that had things going on and it was a lot harder for them. What is your uh, graduate degree going to be in? Mass communications. Okay. What's the future hold? Well, I'm really hoping to do some kind of broadcasting. I just love sports, obviously. And I just really want to stay around 
Um, but I've also, I just like being on TV. So any kind okay. of way I do that. There we go. I like it. I know AJ, your sister has been working towards that too, and she's doing a really good job. So I'm sure that you have some of that in your future as well. I'm sure she can show you some ropes. Yes. She's very good at it. <laughs> okay. Speaking of AJ, every single broadcast I listen to, and I'm guilty of this myself, we just say, this is AJ Andrews' little sister. And I want you to tell me two or three really great, interesting things about you that do not involve you being AJ Andrews' little sister. Like softball related? <laughs> what do you do off the field? What do you do for fun? Um, I like to shop. So that's probably number one. And I like to eat a lot. So if I'm going to hang out with my friends at any point, I'm going to ask them to go eat. Okay. And Baton Rouge is like the perfect place for that. Because <laughs> we have Oh good yeah. Food. There's so much good food there. So much good food. Okay. And then tell me something about what is a moment of adversity that you've had to overcome in your life to be where you are doing what you are right now? I would say feeling kind of how you just said, like feeling like you're in a shadow. I was able to get past that because I was, I'm the person that's like, whatever I do, I'm going to try and be better. I wasn't, I was never upset that people called me AJ's sister or compared me to her. I knew that was going to happen, but for a while I was deciding if I did want to come to LSU because I didn't want to live in a shadow. Overcoming that and like not thinking about that is just what has gotten me where I am now. Just playing Aaliyah's game, being Aaliyah, and I think I've made a pretty good name for myself. So I'm just going to try and keep being me. I love that. Next time we interview AJ, I'm going to say, and joining us now is Aaliyah Andrews' little sister, or big sister. (laughs) (laughs) We'll flip that script a little bit, won't we? Yes. Oh, good. Well, thank you so much. Just the play of the weekend. So exciting. And I'm just so happy for you to continue to shine. You're not in a shadow. You are sunshining light um, there in Baton Rouge. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love that she's uh, trying to play, um, make a name for herself. I love how she talks about, you know, there was a shadow for a while, but she is shining brightly now for LSU. We all know she's AJ's sister, but Aaliyah making a name for herself there in Baton Rouge. As an outfielder, I can't go on this episode and not talk about it. I mean, she, when I watch Aaliyah Andrews play and I know she's trying to step out of her sister's shadow, but I see a fearless player and we saw that in AJ, but her athleticism and her speed and her just willingness to go all out with no fear is what I love. And that's what makes a good outfielder. You're going to make mistakes. Absolutely. But if you go hard and play and try your absolute best to make the play and you have that level of talent, skill, and athleticism, some magical things are going to happen. And I said it last week, she is probably the best outfielder in the country right now. She shows it with that athleticism in those plays. Can't look, can't overlook the infielders either. Me and Jenny Dalton Hill, she at the highest level, me at the high school level. Um, did you guys catch on social media, the play by uh, Josie Muffley, the shortstop for Florida state with the, the tag, the, the jump and the tag between her legs. Well, and so selfless in that, in that tag, she, she saw it. She responded with props to my um, strength coach and we, these athletes have been training so hard for over a year to now to just be able to get back on the field, but we're seeing rested athletes, which sometimes doesn't happen because they've been worked so hard and had mishaps, but it's early in the year. They're all fresh. And that right there was a purely athleticism. I mean, just pure athleticism coming through is awesome. 
All right, our, our seven innings podcast player of the week. The first nomination came from Jen Schroeder after Tiara Jennings hit her had her 12th hit at 13 at bats. I think she would be the leader in the clubhouse, Jen. Guys, she has to win player of the week this week. I'm going to quit the podcast if she doesn't. She is the player of the week, everybody. No doubt about it. To stop, <laughs> I think to stop the bat buster harassment of Jen Schroeder, I, I would I would second that vote for uh, Tiara slash Tiara, Holly. <laughs> and, and there you have it, unanimous. Tiara Jennings, our seven innings podcast player of the week. And may I further add, I think it's best that we shag now, not shag later. This week on Shagging Stats. My stat to get us started is Pac-12 Player of the Week, Maddie Hackbarth, who had seven hits in 12 at-bats, plus the game-tying single seventh inning over a win over BYU 7-5. to Maddie Hackbarth, great start, seven hits in 12 at-bats. And, and one, one little thing about Maddie Hackbarth, I, I encourage everyone to give her a little follow on Twitter because she is throwing some sass out. I looked it up. She put a bat flip video up with the quote, they were barking, I said, go fetch. Hashtag <laughs> Maddie Hack moonshots. So shots have been fired, everybody. Um, but my shag and stat is actually going to be about a pitcher who we haven't talked about on this podcast because I was saving her, Peyton Gottschall from Bowling Green. She struck out 36 of the 43 batters that she faced. She had a perfect game against Cleveland State, and that wasn't even her best start of the weekend. She struck out 20 in her first start and a one-hit shutout. Well, I love the fact, uh, Jen, that you're with the pitcher. So I'm going to stay with them. 45. My shagging stat is 45. That's how many pitchers ended the weekend with a 0.00 ERA. So that's pretty impressive. And we've got Gabby Plain, Keely Richard, Montana Fouts. How about the freshman Maddie Penta for Auburn? Uh, and you know what? A program we haven't talked a whole lot about. How about Tennessee? Ashley Rogers. Um, Welcome so- back. Yeah, welcome back. So it's it's exciting to see that there are a lot of good fresh arms out there keeping uh, the runners uh, from scoring in uh, the earned type of way. That's my shagging stat. Yeah, Michelle, the other team that we really haven't talked about today is the Florida Gators. And Charlotte Eccles went six for six, you know, no big deal, only batting a thousand on the weekend. <laughs> Had a home run, six RBIs, and they won all their games this weekend. So she's going to be a power senior that leads that team if they're going to make a run in the SEC. Well, and what would I be if I wasn't a homer for the big bat, right? So I'm going to bring up um, Aaron Koffel from Kentucky, a freshman trying to fill the shoes of uh, Katie Reed at shortstop, but came up with a big weekend in their three-game series against Samford. She batted, uh, she had a thousand percent slugging percentage on the weekend. And for a freshman, it's impressive. It doesn't sound as big coming against the TRA Jennings kind of weekend, but it's so hard for a freshman to perform like that. So kudos to you, Aaron. Did you guys see that Abby Cheek from Kentucky gave us a shout out on social media for the podcast? She said she misses us. So hi, Abby Cheek. We miss you too. Superstar All-American. Do everything for Kentucky. Awesome. At seven innings podcast, tell all your friends. I got to go. I got to go back to uh, the, the Hackbarth situation. So of course, my, my Linda Ronstadt reference may have gone over the heads of a lot of our fans. So how about a, how about a uh, Taylor Swift reference and a little bad blood America go fetch 
I love it. I love it. Great stuff there uh, from, from Hackbarth. I'm going to go to South Alabama. They had that big win over Georgia for my shag and stats. Uh, Bell Wolfenden was the Sunbelt player of the week with a, a 556 batting average and a 750 OB. She also drove in five runs. So that is my shag and stats going Jags. Oh, Jag and stats, South Alabama. Thank you. You're welcome, America. <laughs> oh, you're awesome. That was Shag and Stats. Moving on to a cleanup aisle nine. Cleanup aisle nine. We may have had a misstep last week. Um, Holly Rowe has now spit out her uh, her water, I think, after that last reference. Yeah, that was good. Okay, this is my fault, and I'm sorry. Vicki Van Cleek from the NCAA, I'm sorry. But um, I read the memo about the rules changes, and it said all Division One bat testing. So I read it wrong. That's my fault. They are still bat testing for Power 5 schools the first game of each series. I guess I got a little excited thinking we'd have hot bats all, see- all summer and it would be hot girl summer. So that's my fault. But Power 5 will still bat test first game of the series. Of course, player safety is the most important thing, and we all know that. So my apologies. However, I was really excited thinking we'd see lots of action. So forgive me for my excitement. Also, we're keeping an eye on the situation of Florida. Of course, the the big name transfer, Skylar Wallace from Alabama to Florida. Jen Schroeder, she did not play this weekend. What's the word? So Skylar actually right now is not eligible to play. That was an in-trans or in-conference transfer, SEC Alabama to Florida. They have petitioned one more time to the NCAA. So apparently there is a small chance that she will get to play, but we should hopefully know more in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the other thing we've got to clean up is a, is a, a new schedule change. And um, word, word out of Tuscaloosa is that we're not going to see one Caleb Bro uh, Alabama LSU games, but two. And kudos to Coach Murph and a lot of people around the country, a lot of coaches around the country that are finding games where they can get them. Yeah, I think that was so impressive to watch this weekend was how teams adapted to weather cancellations, COVID cancellations, and some made the best of it. I think Murph, you know, tweeted out, hey, who wants to play? And he got four games on the weekend, which is more than most teams can say. So super impressive. And I think that's what coaches are going to have to do all season. So I'm stoked. We're going to get some like last second incredible matchups. And I think it's going to be a way to keep us all on our toes this season. He said, slide into my DMs if you want a game. And America answered. They slid into the DMs. We thought you'd never ask, Patrick. <laughs> they even had exactly 12 what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, anything else we need to clean up, ladies, or anything to look forward to uh, as we head into uh, this next weekend, other than to everybody uh, that's experiencing a lot of bad weather out there, uh, stay strong and stay safe. Jen? I just got a text from Amanda. Not only does she now not have power, she has no water officially. Her water has been shut off. So in the course of this podcast, she was set to come on. She lost power again and now no water. But she said her bathtub is full in preparation for this. So I don't think she's showered since Monday, guys. (laughs) Oh, stay safe out there, everybody. And thanks for joining us on the Seven Innings podcast uh, just to uh, finalize it today on the program, Holly wept, drank wine, patted her own back, vaccinated Envy, and slid into Murph's DMs. That's a full day right there. That is a full day, America. Seven Innings Podcast, Beth Mowens, Holly Rowe, Michelle Smith, Jen Schroeder, Caleb Bro, Jenny Dalton Hill, and from afar, our hearts are with you Amanda Scarborough, hope to see you back next week on the 7 Innings Podcast. 